Welcome to St. James Scottish Episcopal Church in Leith, Edinburgh. This podcast features edited highlights from our hybrid service held on Sunday, November 21st, 2021. Until this week, I've been producing and editing the podcast in a way to try and give an audio experience approximating the whole service. Because of the need to balance varying volume levels, particularly during things like the call and response parts in the spoken liturgy, this is proving quite labour intensive. For this week I've taken a different approach by just including some of the key moments from the service. If there are elements of the service which you feel are required, or alternatively elements which are superfluous for the podcast, please do send me feedback by emailing webadmin at stjamesleith.org.uk. To find out how to join us online or in person, and for more general information, please go to stjamesleith.org.uk. everybody. Morning. Can you all hear me? Yeah, clearly. Okay, great. Jeffrey said I must speak up, so I'm speaking up. I'm standing up straight. (laughs) And very, very warm welcome to our service this morning to everybody here in church and everybody also who is at home. And once again, Jeffrey, which camera am I looking in for the home? That little one there. Okay, hi everybody at home. Wonderful that we can gather together on this utterly beautiful morning, together to, to come to hear God's word and to listen to his speaking into the depths of our hearts. Um, let's just have a moment's quiet while we sound the singing bowl and light the candle and then we will begin our service. And if you have a candle at home, then please do. Um, uh, light your candle at home to join us, to be with us. And now I invite you to sit down as in a moment of quiet we come to our time of confession. Say nothing, ask nothing. Let your God look upon you. That is all. Trust in his love. Trust in his forgiveness. And let us in silence confess our failings and acknowledge our part in the pain of the world.
first reading is from the book of Revelation. Grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits who are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of kings on earth. To him who loved us and has freed us from his, our sins by his blood, and made us a kingdom, priests to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him, and all tribes of the earth will wail on account of him. Even so, Amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. This is the Word of God. You've got to open the Word, read the Word, break it down, share it round. You've got to open the Word, read the Word, break it down. comes from John, chapter 18, verses 33 to 37. Glory to Christ our Saviour. Pilate then went back inside the palace, summoned Jesus, and asked him, Are you the King of the Jews? Is that your idea, Jesus asked, or did others talk to you about me? Am I a Jew? Pilate replied. Your own people and chief priests handed you over to me. What is it that you have done? Jesus said, <clears throat> My kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom is from another place. You are a king then, said Pilate. Jesus answered, you say that I am a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. Give thanks to the Lord for his glorious gospel. Praise to Christ our Lord. Loving God, open our minds and our hearts and our spirits to receiving the truth of Christ's sovereignty in our world. Amen. 
Good morning, everyone here in the building and at home. It's lovely to hear little voices in church, so it's, it's nice to have you uh, here as well. As, um, as a curate, uh, you often, after a few years, you find out which are the difficult Sundays to preach on because you find that your incumbent always gives you the same Sundays every year. And uh, one of them was always Trinity Sunday. I seem to always end up preaching on Trinity Sunday. Jo's uh, nodding her head. And the other one was uh, Christ the King, um, because it feels a bit of a, an anachronism in this day and age, um, particularly uh, where you know, progressive Christianity is looking at more inclusive language, um, And it also always felt a strange way to end the year. And uh, I was taught that uh, Christ's kingship, when I was preaching it, was different than the world, uh, the world's kings. And that is true. But I think there's more to it than that. um, Because it is the Sunday that ends our calendar year. And many of you know Richard Raw, and he's been a very helpful source of information to try and understand this feast day because his own order, the Franciscans, uh, surprisingly started it when they pushed Rome to include it in the church calendar in 1920 after the First World War when the kings of Europe were effectively causing destruction everywhere. And it didn't actually become a regular feast in the church calendar until the 1960s under Vatican II Council. So I want to start with a story that I I have told many times, and if you've heard it before, uh, I I ask forgiveness, but uh, I think it's a story that's worth um, listening to more than once, because I think it is a a modern-day parable, and it's a true story that I've heard. And it involves missionaries that Uh, went out to one of the islands in Southeast Asia, I think it was uh, the Philippines, and they wanted to make Christ known to the native people who lived in the the forest there. And they did everything they could to spread the news, and they built a a lovely church to have their services. No no doubt they did lots of fresh expressions of church to get people uh, into the church But after about a year, they had got absolutely nowhere. No one uh, came to the church. Um, uh, The indigenous people were very friendly, but uh, they certainly weren't taking to the Christian message or the gospel. So these uh, priests decided that they would go to the community and they went and talked to the, the chief and said, what one question uh, would you like to ask us? And he expected an immediate reply. And instead the chief said, uh, let me think about that, and went away, called a, a meeting with the elders, and they had what was called a, a, a way of counsel where they sat around a fire and they really thought deeply about what question they would ask uh, the missionaries. And I just wonder, to give you a bit of space, what question might you ask those missionaries? So, the following morning, uh, they sent a delegation um, to the church, uh, 
having spent hours and hours thinking up this question. And they went back to the priests, and the question was, why do you confine God to that little white house over there? And clearly, that really challenged and humbled these well-meaning missionaries. They began to realize that these native people actually saw God everywhere, that God was in the world, God was in the forest, God was in the creatures of the forest. And I think the Franciscans, that's what they were getting at. They saw the danger of confining God to our little white buildings, to our churches, when global events like World War II were happening around us. Now we have COVID happening around us, all sorts of things in our world. They wanted to somehow communicate a bigger understanding of Christ, a bigger one that was prevalent in the churches of the time, and uh, a bigger one than, that I've ex certainly experienced in, in many churches and certainly in my younger days as a Christian, which I call the full redemption model. And it goes something like this. It, it all starts with a big mistake. Um, Adam and Eve eating that darn apple, as Richard Raw uh, calls it, and Jesus Christ coming on earth to redeem, make right this terrible mistake, a sort of divine mopping up exercise. And I once heard a very fiery uh, preacher in a church of Scotland church in Aberdeen describe Jesus as our asbestos suit that would uh, protect us from the fires and wrath and anger of God, enable us for our sins to be forgiven so that we can uh, get to heaven, so our ticket to heaven. So the Franciscans clearly wanted uh, to show a bigger picture. And the Feast of Christ is that way, I think, that feast which reveals this big picture. That doesn't just mean that we as individuals are saved in church, and I'm not saying that isn't truth, but that Christ was also at work throughout our world, outside the church as well. And I don't know if you had this experience, but for years um, I was taught that, that Christ would be found in church settings solely. And yet I could see the love of Christ out, evident outside. And I never had a theology or a, a Christian understanding to reconcile these two things. I don't know if anyone else ever had that, that uh, experience that they were wrestling with those two things. And yet there's a whole swathe of Scripture that gives us the big picture of Christ, that Christ is in all our world. And it's hinted at in the Revelations reading that Colin read when it says, I am the Alpha and the Omega. In other words, Christ was there at the very beginning of time and will be there at the end, which gives us a beginning point, a direction, and an end point. That just, not just meaning our, that our, uh, give a meaning to our individual lives, but actually giving meaning to all life, to all history that Christ has always been with us, is with us, and will be with us in the future, right until the very end. And as Richard Rohr again so succinctly puts it, Christ is not simply Jesus' surname. The big picture, this truth developed and beautifully expressed in the prologue of John's Gospel, probably one of the, the most beautiful uh, pieces of writing in, in all literature. In the beginning was the Word, the Logos, 
And the Word was with God, and the Word, Logos, was God. He was with God in the beginning. And then later talks about Christ being the Word, being the Logos. So God, Christ, who is Spirit, took form and became material at the very beginning, the very creation of our world. In our creation story uh, that we presently have at the moment, that's about 14.6 billion years ago when the Big Bang happened. So the universe reveals something of the invisible God. In fact, the Logos Christ is in everything. If we are to believe uh, John, through him all things were made, nothing was made without him. So the revelation of the mystery of God, of Christ, is not just confined to our churches, but is in the very fabric, the very pattern, the very DNA of our whole universe and of what's happening. And then, astonishingly, later in John's Gospel, we're told the Word, the Logos, became flesh and made his dwelling among us. So remarkably, we have this wondrous mystery of God, of Christ, revealed, embodied, made flesh in the person of Jesus around 200 years ago. The very personification of what God is like and the personification of the Logos, the Christ who was present at the beginning of time and also at the end of time. Which is a huge thing for us to get our, our minds around. And it's probably why it's so seldom preached on, because it's, it's almost too big for us to understand. And it also probably explains Jesus' enigmatic reply to Jesus when he was asked, Are you the King of the Jews? And Jesus answers, I am a king, but not as you know it, for my kingdom is not of this world. I have come to testify to the truth. Not just the truth at that very moment with Pilate, but the truth of what is happening in all time and everywhere. And this double revelation of the divine was evident during a clergy conference that I I went to a few weeks ago that we attended in Pitlochry. And each day we'd start with a communion early in the morning and the altar table was in front of these huge windows, um, sort of almost bigger than that, in fact, probably the same size as this whole wall here. And through the window, behind the altar, altar table, you could see this beautiful scene of pink and blue and orange uh, skies as the sun, sun was rising. And then a backdrop of these dark very dark, sort of almost black, grey mountains, and then green fields in front. And then this valley of autumn trees, all the colours changing of green, brown, and yellow. So that was our backdrop. And we would celebrate the sacrament of Holy Communion, remembering the death and resurrection of Jesus, the embodiment of God in human form. But our eyes were also drawn to this wonderful picture of uh, God and Christ's creation. Also replicating the pattern of life that we were celebrating on the old altar table of death and resurrection as the autumn leaves were, t- were falling and uh, winter was coming to prepare 
for new life in the spring. So it was clear to us all that the sacred was here at the altar table in church, but was also outside in the world. And again, Van Gogh, the famous Dutch painter, summed this up eloquently when he says, one feels the need of something grand, something infinite, something that makes one feel aware of God. One need not go far to find it. I think that I see something deeper, more infinite, more eternal than the ocean in the expression of the eyes of a little baby when it wakes in the morning and coos and laughs because it sees the sun shining on its cradle. So the divine and sacred is all around us. And a very wise priest uh, early on in my ministry once said to me that the best way to know God is to love many things. It is good to love many things, for therein lies true strength, and whoever loves much performs much and can accomplish much. And what is done in love is done well. So, in a world that seems to be in self-destruct mode, just like it, it seemed to be after the First World War, it's important, I think, to be reminded of this big picture so that maybe celebrating Christ the King of the universe is a fitting way to end the year. Although possibly we need to develop more inclusive language uh, that we can use. Because Christ the King points us to a faith that believes that however broken our world is, Christ is in it, has always been in it, and always will be in it. And that ultimately it is through Christ that all things will be reconciled. So I'm just going to read uh, a passage from Paul's letter to the Colossians, well-known passage, but it, it summarizes better than anything I could say. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that everything, in, everything he might have, might have, sorry, I'll say that again, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his, his blood shed on the cross. So as we celebrate at the altar table, we come to the altar table, we are also celebrating the Christ that is in our universe, in our world. Amen. As we come to our prayers this morning, the response is, when I say, your kingdom come, O God, your response is, your will be done on earth. Your kingdom come, O God, your will be done on earth. 
Holy One, we bring before you now our hopes and dreams for a better world, for better relationships and of lives restored to wholeness. God of peace, we pray for an end to all that causes conflicts and wars. We know that being at war often does not bring about the outcome that those who are fighting want, but rather, instead, many lives are disrupted <clears throat> and ended. Families have to flee for their lives. Children are torn away from their friends and all that's familiar to them, and all because someone wants to have power over them. This is not the way of your realm, O God. <clears throat> you show us peace and gentleness and caring for one another in the name of love. <clears throat> you want that everyone should share equally in your kingdom, even those who are on the margins. And your grace is enough to overcome all hatred. In a moment of quiet, let us bring before God all those troubled places and people in our world where there's war or conflict of any kind, asking for God's peace to break through and dispel all hatred and distrust. Your kingdom come, O God. Your will be done on earth. God of justice, we pray for those <clears throat> who are feeling less than valued just now, for those who are struggling to make ends meet, for those who are not sure where their next meal's coming from or where they will find money to, just to live. This is not the way of your realm, O oh God. You show us justice and equality for all in a world where currently there is a huge divide between the rich and the poor. So we pray for all who hold offices of power and influence, our politicians and policy makers, that all the legislations that are drawn up will be fair and just, and that ordinary people will feel valued, encouraged and enriched by the way our governments look after us. Your kingdom come, O God, your will be done on earth. God of wholeness, we pray for those who are ill in body, mind and spirit, for those who have just been told they have an incurable illness, for those with COVID, for those coming to terms with a diagnosis that will alter the way they live their lives. We thank you for the COVID vaccines that have been discovered and we pray for the just and fair distribution of these worldwide, that those in less well-off countries will have access to them without incurring, incurring huge debts where there are, they are already struggling to repay previous loans. This is not the way of your realm, O oh God. <clears throat> you show us the way to wholeness and well-being so we pray for all carers and healthcare professionals as they do their work of tending the sick and we ask for them your gifts of patience, compassion and understanding. In a moment of silence we bring before you those we know who are in need at this time. 
as we have named them in our hearts. So let them feel your presence and friendship in their lives as we commit them to your loving care. Your kingdom come, O God. Your will be done on earth. God of our world, we pray for good outcomes from COP26, that nations will really realize <clears throat> the damage that is being caused in the, by the way we live and the things we do, and will really commit to doing something about it now for the sake of future generations. We are past the promises on paper stage. Help, us, help those promises to become reality. God of love, you sent your son as the servant king, whose kingdom is one of service, suffering and humility. A king who rules by love and care. We are reminded that we should serve and care for one another and in doing so, we serve you. So we pray for ourselves as we begin this new week with all that it holds for us, trusting in your love, strength and wisdom. May we be people who will show your realm of love to all we meet this week. Your kingdom come, O God. Your will be done on earth. <clears throat> For yours, God, is the kingdom, the realm of love, and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
Freely you have received, freely give. Go in peace to love and serve the Lord. Amen. 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 Amen.